Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. They called us deplorables. They shut down our country. They say our thoughts are disinformation. is our response, The Rob Carson Show. It is The Rob Carson Show, and uh, yeah, we forgot fascist. We got to add fascist into that. Uh, Joe Biden's calling us uh, fascists, I guess. And Oh, he's also threatening us again. Yeah, he, he's threatening MAGA supporters. We're MAGA, ultra MAGA, right? We're ultra MAGA fascists, uh, white supremacists. Uh, what else the hell are we? Deplorable, uh, I don't know, uh, not vegetarians. We're definitely not vegetarians. But all these things, I mean, woo, we are the worst people in this. Welcome to the worst people to ever walk the land on the United States of America. All of my glorious, fascist, deplorable, white supremacists, homophobic, transphobic, whatever the hell, phobic. All of you, oh, you're a wretched bunch. My God in heaven, I should put up a pirate flag above the, my show as we sail off because we're just so dirty, rotten, stinking, and... And all that stuff. So, yeah, that's what we are, I guess. So, Gladly, I will wear all of those. I will sail with that pirate flag uh, right below the American flag, the real American flag. And, and we'll, uh, we'll start every voyage with uh, singing the national anthem and nobody will kneel. Nobody will kneel and nobody will sit. I'm doubting no Brittany Griner is going to be uh, kneeling during the national anthem when she finally gets out of jail, out of that Russian prison over there. So uh, I guess the big news of the day is that Gorbachev, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev died. For you uh, Gen Z and Millennials, he, uh, he was in charge of what was the Soviet Union, and he had a, a big wine stain on his head. If you're lucky as a millennial or, uh, you know, you have that much information, probably what you heard about Gorbachev was, he saved the world. Oh, he was glorious. He was awesome. He ushered in freedom. He caused the fall of the Soviet Union. Of course, all of that was nonsense. He was the last uh, uh, leader of communist Russia, uh, the USSR, United Soviet Socialist Republic. Socialist, by the way, United Soviet Socialist Republic, Bernie Sanders. I bet you Bernie was bummed out because he went there for his honeymoon. He went to the USSR for his honeymoon because, you know, it's so awesome over there in the poverty and the lines for food and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, Mikhail Gorbachev, actually what happened was he was the, uh, he was the last leader as the, uh, the empire that left uh, in its wake tens of millions of its own citizens that they murdered or starved. Other than that, I mean, great, honestly, seriously. Other than that, Soviet Union, we should usher that right in. Well, that's actually what the, uh, the Democrats are trying to do. That's what Joe Biden talked about when he, uh, not Joe Biden, but uh, Joe Palma uh, said when he wanted to uh, make America, he wanted to fundamentally transform America. Well, what he wanted to do is fundamentally transform America into what was the Soviet Union. 
Now, when I got out of college, the year that I got out of college, 1989, that's when the, uh, uh, the, the Berlin Wall fell. And that's when, which effectively ended the USSR. And then also uh, the Tiananmen Square protest. And, and I like to say with regard to what's happening in this country, do you want to be behind the wall pushing it over, like in Berlin? Or do you want to be tank fodder, like with Tiananmen Square? Because that's the choice that you're in right now. You can choose to take this filthy swamp, this deep state that is being exposed daily with its abuses and you producer patients, and you can say, you know what, let's knock the wall over. Let's knock the wall over so all people in America can live in freedom. And we can realize our potential. Nobody did that in the USSR. Unless you were a member of the party. And you are a regular member of the party. And you turned over your relatives to the authorities. And you shouted down disinformation and misinformation. I sound like Count Chocula. Or maybe the Count on Sesame Street. This is not working the way I wanted it. Ah, 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 ah. Anyway, so uh, you can be either one of those. I choose not to be the cannon fodder. I'd rather be the person who pushes down the wall. That's what I hoped was going to happen on January the 6th. Not an overthrow of the government. Just, hey, slow down. Let's count the votes. Let's uh, look at certifying this election without calling all the tens of thousands of affidavits of election cheating and all the reams of evidence and millions of minutes of video featuring vote stealing. How how about we just slow down and maybe, no, 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 they'd rather, uh, you know, uh, have the FBI infiltrate the peaceful crowd and uh, let people in and then claim they committed some sort of horrible crime and lock them into a gulag, just like Mikhail Gorbachev used to do. But you see, Mikhail Gorbachev took the helm of the Soviet Union as it was collapsing. And he had to respond to market demands. He had to respond to a people who had been beaten down, censored, starved for decades. And uh, it proved that the Soviet Union was a paper tiger, not against its own people. It still had the capacity to jail and murder everybody that they wanted to in the Soviet Union. Oddly enough, Mikhail Gorbachev, both of his grandfathers were sent off to uh, gulags where they died. Most people would be like, huh, I really want to turn this thing around. Man, we ought to overthrow this communist thing. But he didn't. He towed the party line. He went. He started these incremental, I guess, uh, you know, changes, market changes. They called it, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Stolich Diet? No, it wasn't Stolich Diet. Chernobyl? No, 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 no. It was, uh, well, anyway, he was ushering, and I know I have the word. It's right there on the tip of my brain. But uh, Glasnost, Glasnost, Glasnost is one of the things. And uh, so he's going to allow some market changes to this, the USSR. Like you could go to, they might open a McDonald's, and you could get a Big Mac for, uh, you know, the price of three months' salary. Or you could buy a, a pair of blue jeans for two years' salary. That, that kind of market stuff. And I remember as this uh, kid right out of college uh, and, and right before the USSR fell, uh, there was this guy on the radio called Rush Limbaugh. And, uh, and I was like, how did Rush Limbaugh, a pretty interesting guy, I write comedy for these other networks. And I wonder if old Rush Limbaugh would write, you know, run some of my comedy. And so I contacted uh, Kit Carson and Johnny Donovan. We started making fun of uh, Democrats and, you know, the rest is history. But uh, Rush used to have this thing called a Gorbasm. Because the left in this country loves communists. They still do. They still did and they still do. 
Uh, and at any time, a communist leader like Che Guevara, who is a homophobe, murdered gay people, uh, a terrorist, torturer, the whole deal. But uh, on college campuses, they, they or camp by whatever, they uh, they wear these Che Guevara uh, shirts, and uh, you know because he's uh, handsome, he's got his beret on. They didn't get him from the feet down. He was standing on a bunch of uh, uh, skulls of people he murdered. But anyway, uh, so the left has always had this aversion for its dictators. It's kind of like uh, some of these crazy women who hook up with mass murderers in prison. I-, I wish I were joking, but I'm not. It's really similar to that. It really, really similar. I know he's Charles Manson. I know he ordered the murder of all those people, but he's so dreamy. He's dreamy. So that's what the uh, that's what the American media was doing to Mikhail Gorbachev when Gorbachev was only at the helm of the already sinking ship. But uh, I wanted to play this because I know you miss his voice. I know I miss his voice. But this is Rush Limbaugh, and and he taught me. This is where I was in. I was a I was a late stage Rush baby. Uh, still certainly abortable, according to uh, you know, Democrats. I probably could still be aborted, uh, according to Democrats. But I remember I was I was kind of getting a feel for real conservatism, and uh, oh, I went to see Mikhail Gorbachev. He did a speech after the USSR fell in. Uh, uh, Fulton, Missouri. I'll, I'll share that in a little bit. But this is uh, Rush. This is one of the many wonderful bits that he did that uh, that made a lot of sense. And I do believe also uh, may have precipitated the fall as well as Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher of the former USSR. Mikhail Gorbachev has now entered the world economic question with his own point of view, my friends. <laughs> Thus, it is time for a... Gorbazum. Oh, the world is safe that he, Gorbachev, has arrived. <laughs> the truth be known, Gorbachev was the world's first messiah. Yeah. Obama is number two. Yeah, the left just passed over Jesus. This is new from Jim Gossett, a little tribute on the passing of Mikhail Gorbachev. Does me don ya? Mikhail, hostile at first and then. You finally cracked a smile, cracked a smile. Is that Ronald Reagan? Mikhail, yes. reviled because with me he went the extra mile, extra mile. Union of Soviet Socialist Republic. I played you, I played you, I played you. I got the upper hand. Yeah, he lived longer well, too. It was just like I'd planned. I walked away in Reykjavik so you'd understand. Oh, he did, man. He dropped the mic. Cold War, no more. We got it done like no one had before. Had before. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden. President Doofy. No match for Vladimir. Made a poopy. I know he'd hate to hear that you and me, we changed the world and we did it in style. I love it. My me There you go. Jim Gossett, two S's and two T's, JimGossettComedy.com. I will put that up on my uh, on my Rumble channel later today, this whole opening monologue. And also that song. Just go to rumble.com, Rob Carson Show. Coming up, I do have a, a Mia Culpa. 
I do believe that uh, Joe Biden and Democrats in this country are making jobs. They are creating jobs. And I would encourage you, if you are a millennial, and by the way, the millennials, uh, according to a new study, uh, poorest generation ever. Uh, listen up, because uh, I was wrong. Joe Biden and Democrats around the country are creating jobs. And if you want to be part of this incredible growing industry, you do not want to leave your radio. Here's the number, 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. There's only one Rob Carson on the radio. Oh, thank God. It's The Rob Carson Show. I added some new bumper music. Gotta keep it fresh. There you go. That's not new. It's like 30 years old as Peter Gabriel. Okay, so uh, 1992 it was... It was uh, May f- uh, 6th of 1992. I went to see this. <laughs> I went to this speech at uh, the uh, America's National uh, Churchill Museum with this Fulton, Missouri. There's a school there, Westminster College. And uh, there were 20,000 people there. And I remember going there, getting there early, because yeah, it was a part radio station thing. And they had a segment of the Berlin Wall, which, of course, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev didn't have a problem with. Uh, he was like, yeah, no, 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 that's fine, that's fine. But, you know, if we could you know, let uh, McDonald's operate here and charge, uh, you know, they can charge a year's worth of salary for a Big Mac and fries, then that'll mean that we are... Perestroika was the word I was looking for. Perestroika. And it was this new uh, glasnost. It was this new uh, era of openness in the Soviet Union by the guy who was uh, just holding on to power by, uh, by a thread, uh, you know, while store shelves were empty and people couldn't uh, get cars. And it was... Wait, whoa, wait, hold on. What's going on in America? Okay, anyway, so we'll move on. Um, But, uh, yeah, I went to see the speech, and, uh, man, I'm going to tell you, and I don't think it was because I was, like, in my mid-20s, like 25 years old, but, uh, God, with the most boring snooze fest, I mean, the most boring snooze fest you could possibly imagine. Imagine when you're seven years old, and uh, your mom and dad took you to see your great aunt Blanche at the nursing home, and you had to sit there for two hours on the couch covered with plastic and the bowl of candy, that little curly Q candy, that wavy candy, and all you had to entertain yourself was just that hard, awful, stale, wavy candy, and your mom and dad would make you sit there with Aunt Blanche rambling on, uh, you know, saying things like, you know, when I was a kid, I was the only uh, uh, white kid uh, at an all-black swimming pool. Now, actually, it was Joe Biden, uh, very similar, but I'll get to that, I'll get to that, but he was the uh, most boring speech ever, just putrid. And, you know, and I, I think because it was Westminster College, everybody was going there because, Joe, you know, Gorbachev was a savior. And uh, I didn't really understand at that point how important Ronald Reagan was and Maggie Thatcher was with regard to the Soviet Union. But by saying things like, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, you think that didn't go over to the other side of the wall? You think that didn't uh, get things buzzing over there? You bet your butt it did. They tried the same thing in uh, China. And they, they had the same kind of feeling, and they, they got out there, and they protested, and they didn't get up on the wall, but they stood outside of Tiananmen, or in Tiananmen Square, outside the Forbidden City, and uh, the lights went out, and they just murdered everybody. 
So there you go. There's a little a little history lesson for y'all. A little history lesson. Now, I, I am going to tell you right now, it's a mea culpa for me because uh, I've been saying to people that, and truthfully, by the way, that the reason why the unemployment rate is so long is be, or so low is because so many people have to go to work now to survive. I was the first person to say that uh, the reason why people are adding jobs and going to work is because they're having to come out of retirement. They're having to take a second and third job to pay the bills. This is undisputed. Absolutely undisputed. And there are 11 million jobs open in the country. You know why? Because extending unemployment benefits, because of PPE and all that stuff. We had a de facto $15 minimum wage. A de facto $15 minimum wage. You go to Walmart right now where I live, you're going to make 15 to $17 an hour to start. Small businesses can't compete with that. So they're still running ads for $8 an hour, $7 an hour, $7.35, which is the national average, and they can't get people to work for it. So what do you think is going to happen to those businesses? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was wrong. There's something big. It's booming. It's starting in Philadelphia. It's spreading across the country. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a young person and you need a job because of Democrat uh, anti-police laws, you may have a future in grave digging. Preparing their fourth plot of the day, the grave diggers at Friend Southwestern Burial Ground in Upper Darby can hardly keep up. Have you thought of digging yourself out of that financial hole? Up with demand. Their business is tied directly to Philadelphia's homicide rate. And as you can see by the rose... It's like in the old-timey days when people would come into uh, the old western town and the, the mortuary director would come out there and just measure them from head to toe just in case they got murdered by somebody. Rows of freshly dug graves, businesses booming. Cemetery workers say 90% of these new graves are victims of violence. I got chills because it's like I've been here a lot of times either supporting people or partaking in a everything's pushing up daisies or everything's coming up roses funeral service mustafa ali has been to this cemetery that caters to muslim burials too many times to count i partook in his in his service you know with the washing of the body from the childhood friend's grave who was gunned down back in january no it's just another person of color to the seemingly endless number those black lives don't matter according to democrats number of other friends and family members he's lost bruce chenault stefan wilson shakira Pittman. ali all those white kids all those oh never mind no no inner city kids where black on black violence is 13 times the national average the murder rate could have been one of those names admitting he was once part of the city's gun violence problem at 19 he did six years in prison for a firearms charge a year later he was shot 10 times and almost died all these graves are teenagers yeah it's a lot of 15 16 17 year olds out here yeah people that didn't even live to see 18. And that's where it gets serious. And that's where it gets serious. In places like Baltimore, you see a 13-year-old black kid, young man. <laughs> what do you suppose his chances of making to his 18th birthday are? Probably not so good. And if he does make it, he's probably going to end up in prison. He's going to end up being part of the, oh, the, the prison pipeline. 
in cities where the abortion rate is at least 40% for uh, children of color, and you heard about the murder rate earlier. But you know, that means uh, job creation. There you go. There you go, Democrats. Good job creating the jobs that America's used to not want, but now they are plentiful. The chances are, you know, you'll be able to work with friends. Friends that you knew that got murdered. There you go. You'll be, you'll be burying them, but you'll at least get to work with them. On the way, Joe Biden goes after the uh, uh, police defunding, even though uh, he was totally down with defunding it. He wants to refund it. I think we need a refund on Joe Biden. That's coming up. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Miguel Gorbachev has uh, passed away. He was uh, 91 or 92, depending on who you uh, who you believe. He was uh, he was a communist. You know, he, he was a communist. He was completely down with uh, communist ideology, and he just happened to be there when it collapsed. And uh, you know, he he threw some crumbs to his uh, compatriots, and he thought that maybe this Glasnost Perestroika, Dosmidanya, Chernobyl would uh, would turn things around. But it ended up just kind of giving people a taste of what they really wanted, which was freedom. And then they said, you know, we don't need you, Gorbachev. Otherwise, they would have kept him, right? They would have said, hey, you know what? Uh, let's just go ahead and keep Gorbachev in, in charge here because he's so awesome and everything, and he's ushered in all this change. And now they got rid of him. <clears throat> And uh, then he lived the rest of his life making bleep tons of money on the, uh, on the what, uh, doing, doing speeches for uh, liberal groups, I'm assuming. So, yeah, that's about what he did. That's about what he did. Oh, uh, uh, Joe Biden has picked an associate of Lois Lerner to head the expansion of the IRS. This is, uh, this is what they're going to do to you. Yeah, one of the uh, Lois Lerner lackeys from the Obama-era IRS, this is according to Gateway Pundit, Nicole Flax who recently served as the deputy commissioner in charge of the IRS Large Business and International Division, has been char- in, in the IRS since 2008. She will be leading the creation of new centralized office for implementation of the IRS-related provisions that we are going to start outlining. Oh, sorry, I uh, slipped into another voice there. Why the hell did that happen? Uh, anyway, uh, 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 outlined in the boondoggle, famously named the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Yuppers, yuppers, yuppers. Oh, this is uh, also interesting before we get into Joe Biden's appearance yesterday in Philadelphia. Or not. He, well, was he, in, was he in Scranton? What the hell? Scranton, Scranton, Philadelphia. He's going to be in Philadelphia tomorrow night. He's going to be there where they signed the... Uh, uh, the Declaration of Independence, which is a slap in the founders' faces. He's going to declare war on us, by the way, tomorrow. I just want you to know that's what it's all about. It's, it's about declaring war on you and me. Um, Democrat John Fetterman has declined an early September debate against uh, Mehmet Oz in the Pennsylvania U.S. Senate race, citing recovery from a recent stroke. Okay, l- let me explain something to you. If you're not able to physically or mentally do a debate, you're not physically or mentally able to do a, be a senator. Uh, Becoming a senator is not um, therapy. It's not mental or physical therapy. Uh, Becoming a senator, you have to have your faculties in order. If you had a stroke, this should disqualify you from running. I'm absolutely serious. 100%. 100%. Brain don't work. Can't do appearances. But he can be a senator. Democrats want him to be a senator because they love brain-addled people who do what they say. 
It's kind of funny that way. I'm eager to put my record and my values up against Dr. Oz's any day of the week. As I recover from this stroke and improve my auditory processing and speech, can't be a senator, I look forward to continuing to meet with the people of Pennsylvania, but not saying anything to them. On Tuesday, the Oz campaign, he's a doctor, you know, put a list of concessions for the debate and literally said, hey, we want to have debates. We will, uh, you know, you could do a standby, allowing you to do bathroom breaks, uh, allowing you to have notes on hand, uh, along with an earpiece. And what did he say? Fetterman said the list of concessions uh, basically made it abundantly clear they think it is funny to mock a stroke survivor. My recovery may be a joke to Dr. Oz and his team, but it's real for me. Well, yeah, go recover. Do something else. You shouldn't be a senator. Newt Gingrich is on, uh, I think it was on Tucker's show last night. He says there's no chance that uh, Fetterman's going to win. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, did you know my friend Doug Mastriano's in front in Pennsylvania? He's up by three, which means he's up by 13. That's the way it works with uh, polling and Republicans. Thought you should know that. Here is uh, uh, Joe Biden yesterday. Uh, he wants to refund the police because he has not said a thing about defunding the police. Didn't say a damn thing while the country was burning in the summer of 2020 where hundreds, possibly thousands of police officers were injured, sometimes uh, lifelong injuries uh, by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Joe Biden and the Democrat Party didn't say a darn thing unless they were going to bail out the people who did it. But here was old Joe Biden yesterday. He's had a come to Jesus moment because the election's coming up. This isn't going to work, by the way. When it comes to public safety in this nation, the answer is not defund the police. It's fund the police. Why didn't you say that um, two years ago when they were screaming defund the police? Didn't say a damn thing. Fund the police. And get- I really think, and I'll be just be honest. Remember when Kamala Harris went to the football game? And they introduced her, the stands were empty, and yet the crowd noise was gigantic. If you look at this uh, rally, he was in a, like a high school gymnasium, about a fourth full. I swear they juiced the audio. Them. We ex- they juiced the audio. We expect them to do everything. We expect them to be to protect us, to be psychologists, and to be sociologists. I mean, uh, he's just wandering off with a teleprompter. We expect you to do everything. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I said, I slumber down. Everything. You realize more police officers are killed dealing with domestic violence than anything else? What about uh, ambushes and, uh, and injury and murder from people who hate the police because the left said, uh, bleep the police and uh, pigs in a blanket fry them like bacon? Do you realize that? The point is, not a joke. We ask so much of you, so much of you. Well, President Doofy was quiet when all this was happening. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis. Hello, Mr. President Doofy. Hello, is the microphone on? Can you hear this? Why didn't you say anything? Police department. So, yes, defund your butts. Defund you. Yes. It'd take a lot of defunding to defund your butt, Missy. I support the reallocation of resources 
uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. Nobody believes you, particularly those in uh, law enforcement. Nobody believes you. Everybody thinks you're a joke. You can rant and rave all you want at stupid rallies where the crowd is juiced, but everybody knows the Democrat Party screwed the country. They are talking about reducing the allocation of resources to that department, and I think every single city in this country ought to be thinking about the same thing. Yes, I Yeah, did you uh, hear the story about uh, the gravediggers in Philadelphia, gangbuster, bu- mu- you know, business and the whole deal? Did you hear about that? There's that. Yeah, I, I like to use the analogy that Democrats have uh, used the black population for decades. And what they do is they promise, they promise that things are going to get better and things are going to get better. We're going to give you this, we're going to give you that, we're going to give you a free phone, we're going to give you all this, all that, all this. And then the election happens, and the next day the Democrat Party gets out of bed, walks over, puts the money on the dresser, and leaves. That's what Joe Biden wants to do with the police now. But uh, they're not going to fall for it. I support the defund movement. I'm for responsible reallocation of resources. And look where we are now. And look where we are now. And then, of course, President Doofy uh, started fumbling and bumbling and telling stupid stories, racist stories about when he was a kid. Here's one where he, uh, you know, said basically that all black kids can play basketball. If I can inter- just interject for a moment, my deceased son, Bo, he was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. And what he used to do is go down in the east side, the what called the bucket. Highest- oh, by the way, uh, he also said that if uh, you don't vote for him, you ain't black. He said that to uh, black people. Crime rate in the country. There's a place where I used to, I was the only white guy that worked as a lifeguard. There, there's a corn bop, and he used to sharpen the razor, and he'd run his hands up and down my legs, and then he'd give me a little back rub, and okay, I went too far. Down in that area, on the east side. And you know where the, you can always tell where the best basketball in the state is, and the where's best that? basketball in the city is. Yeah. It's where everybody shows up. It's where everybody shows up is where it is, in the place there, Yeah. Oh, and then he, and he campaigned for, uh, for, uh, uh, what is it, Shapiro, the guy running again, you know, running for governor against uh, against my friend uh, uh, Doug Mastriano and uh, John Fetterman, but he he messed up which offices they were running for. Please, please elect the attorney general of the Senate. Now Fetterman's uh, Fetterman's guy running for the Senate. Elect that big old boy to be governor. Yeah, the big old boy who looks a lot like Shrek. That's uh, John Fetterman. He's running for Senate. Elect that big old boy to be governor. Yeah. Big old boy. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. Oh, and then he threatened us. Now, y- you know that he's uh, he's been calling us fascists and he's been calling us this and that. And, and uh, uh, you know, Lindsey Graham said if they, if they indict, if they arrest, if they try to prosecute Donald Trump, there'll be riots in the street. And I don't think he's far from the truth. I think people are really ticked off. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just facing the facts here. That uh, the left went out and they, uh, they burned down crap because uh, George Floyd was killed. They used it as an excuse for uh, communists to do what communists do, and that is destroy our history, burn our cities create uh, division, the whole deal. But here, uh, here is Joe Biden. He's, he's literally threatening you and me. He's basically saying if you try to take up arms, if you try to protest too much, uh, he has much bigger weapons at his disposal. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about 
keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe. If you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. There you go. That is a threat. That is an that is a threat. He is saying, if you try anything, we will send the planes in. America, keeping America's independent and safe. If you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a. Now, he also said yesterday that uh, deer don't wear Kevlar vests. That's a a sophomoric uh, anti-gun argument from the left. It comes right out of the faculty lounge. It's stupid. Uh, We were, the Second Amendment exists so average Americans could have weapons of war, including AR-15s. They're not in the Constitution! Well, I know, but you see, there were weapons on that way. They were on the radar at that time. And the government said, yeah, the Second Amendment exists, not for hunting and fishing, not for target practice, from protecting you from the government. That's indisputable. Here is uh, Mr. Biden, President Doofy, last year issuing the same threat during a speech about gun control, of all things. Enough rogue gun dealers feel like they they can get away with selling guns to people who aren't legally allowed to own them. And I might add, the Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun. What type of weapon? The The type of people that could own a gun? No, it didn't. You're high. You could own you couldn't buy a cannon. Yeah, you can't. say the blood of the the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going you know, to have you know, we the people and all that stuff. We're starting to shoe, hat, airplane. Move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water in the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government. Uh-huh. You need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. Oh, listen to that again. Listen to what he's saying to you. The Patriots, what's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. That kind of skews towards the Tiananmen Square argument that I talked about earlier versus the Berlin Wall argument that I talked about earlier. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit, the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. Yeah, and if you try to get those, we will either nuke or send an F-15 to your house to kill you and your family. Okay, next question. Let's take a break. Here's the number if you want to call in. James, you hold on. You'll be up first. 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. If you're down with trigger warnings, you might want to listen to something else. It's the Rob Carson Show. Those who say the blood of the the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water in the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been. If you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. And uh, president has some trouble with uh, famous lines from the founding documents, probably because, you know, he uh, uses them as toilet paper, so he doesn't really read them. Every vote matters tomorrow. The most important vote to make sure there's not going to be any problem is that you send back Sheila Jackson Lee as the nominee without any question. That's the most important. Look, tomorrow's Superstar Tuesday, and I want to thank you all. That is the wrong soundbite. Here's the right one. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. 
Yeah, he probably. I think, when he was in elementary school, he goes, "I pledge allegiance to the flag of the thing of the thing, and then the shoe at airplane." James and Glenn Bernie Maryland is on the phone. Hello there, James. What's up today? Hey, Ron. How are you doing today? It's, good to it's, talk it's, to you. it's Rob, actually, but go ahead. Rob, sorry. Long day. Thank I you. love how desperate he has gotten. He's throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks. Trying to get all these uninformed voters to vote coming this November. You love, I mean, how much he was for something. Now he's for something. He was against something. Like, for instance, oh, the yes. tuition redistribution, as I like to call it. Yeah. You got when it comes into the Senate, even during Bill Clinton and Bush, he voted against forgiveness. Yeah. But now he's all for it, knowing that if he doesn't throw anything, he's going to lose everything. He's well, James, it, it, this is this is a classic example. James, this is a classic example of changing your tune to get elected, and you know what's going to happen. He's going to screw you over. He did the same yep. thing on the on the campaign trail. He was at one time telling people, "Oh yeah, I'm a energy cannon. I'm going to take care of you." Then at the other campaign rallies, "I'm going to get rid of fossil fuels." What happened when he got elected? He screwed over the people involved in the fossil fuel industry and destroyed our economy and our energy independence. That's how Democrats roll. Why don't you get that phone call, James? Thanks for the phone call. I do appreciate it. Thank you for uh, checking in. For checking in. Oh, and this is, uh, you know, because we are a terrorist, right? I mean, we're terrorists. We're, uh, we are uh, deplorables. We're all of this and that. And these are words of war. I, I mentioned this, and uh, these are words that are chosen deliberately. Deliberately. By the left. And I had a story, I'll, I'll have to dig it up, but a, uh, I think it was in New York, a GOP office was vandalized after Joe Biden said those words of the Republican Party, that we are fascists. We are fascists when the opposite is true. Now you've got groups on the left that are called the like Antifa. They're anti-fascists. They are fascists. That's like, you know, uh, going, uh, you know, saying you're members of, of Weight Watchers and uh, really actually you're, you know, you're dining at the Old Country Buffet every night. Is that still around? I don't even know. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm definitely down with uh, healthy eating and then going at, uh, eating at whatever buffet every night. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But that's how Democrats do it. They, they, they think it works. It works in the Soviet Union because you can get away with lying like it worked very well. You could get away with lying. And if somebody disagreed with you, you'd call it disinformation and lock them up, which is kind of what they're trying to do here in our country. This is a Kurt Bardella of MSNBC talking about how we are a bunch of terrorists. Well, I think President Joe Biden's been doing his job, honestly. Uh, you know, remember, he inherited the... Now, and listen to the list of achievements that involve spending your money on crap. ...presidency during a massive streak of uncertainty because of the COVID pandemic ah. that also created a lot of economic uncertainty. Yeah. Where Joe Biden has been over the last year and a half, he's been getting stuff done. And we're coming off of a historic you know, sequence of events where we've gotten bipartisan gun reform done. Uh, government reform, what the hell that means? That's uh, spending. We've gotten infrastructure done. And more spending. We've gotten uh, the CHIPS bill done. That, that's uh, $200 billion of spending. We've gotten the Inflation Reduction Act done. Yeah, more spending had nothing to do with inflation at all. It's just about jackbooted thugs at the IRS. Joe Biden has been doing his job, and now that the legislative successes have piled up, oh, he can now turn his focus... What are the other successes? Is ...to the broader conversation that many of us have been having about the health of democracy. Yeah. And let's be very... Now, that's what this... Uh, the the war speech is going to be tomorrow night. Clear here. The Republican Party, the MAGA Republicans, are a domestic terrorist cell operating in America. There you go. Words of war. 
Keep your powder dry, kids. Don't overreact. But just be ready. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's The Rob Carson Show. All right, so we've got hour number two of The Rob Carson Show right ahead. Uh, it looks like millennials are kind of screwed financially. And uh, Gen Z may be taking a turn away from feminism. I'll explain. And also Mega Hulk. Mega Hulk. Mega, Mega Hulk. It's not Mega Hulk. It's Ultra Mega Hulk. Anyway, he's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. In case you missed it, uh, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, who is a failed political leader, a failed communist, who was at the helm of the Soviet Union when it fell, somehow is being credited with freeing the Soviet Union, even though they didn't retain him as the leader. Because he was a communist. Mikhail, hostile at first and then, you finally cracked a smile, cracked a smile. Is that Ronald Reagan? Mikhail, reviled because with me, he went the extra mile, extra mile. I played you, I played you, I played you. Big time. I got the upper hand. Well, it was just like I'd planned. <laughs> I walked away in Reykjavik so you'd understand. Dead. Cold War. No more. We got it done like no one had before. Had before Joe Biden, Joe Biden, Joe Biden No match for Vladimir I know he'd hate to hear <laughs> But you and me, we changed the world And we did it in style Without My Mikhail That is from uh, Jim Gossett. Uh, by the way, he uh, he did a terrific show uh, last Saturday night in Atlanta. It was sold out. And a lot of people were talking about the radio show. And uh, and I heard some samples of his show. It's it's really good. Uh, he does a great stand-up routine. And then he uh, you know incorporates all of the songs that we do together and his own original material. And uh, really, really good. And, and we hope to take the show on the road with me on stage, him on stage, possibly my buddy who does the great uh, Donald Trump impression, uh, and his name is Sean Farish, among others. So we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, but we would love to see you. We would love to uh, meet you and entertain you on stage. So there was some talk about this uh, former FBI official, Timothy, Timothy Thibault, who uh, is uh, facing, uh, he was faced multiple whistleblower allegations responded Tuesday to media reports that he left the Bureau, saying in a statement through his legal counsel he voluntarily retired from his job and, uh, and denied some of the allegations against him. This will be proven in a court of law when hopefully heads roll at the FBI. And don't let any of this, this, uh, this nonsense. They're trying to distract. They said, oh, yeah, they, they laid out some of the confidential documents on the floor. And they shared with the media, the FBI, active investigation. They're, tr they're pleading their case to the public. They shouldn't be worried about pleading their case to the public. 
But that's what they did. And they laid out some select documents. And, and Adam Schiff was, oh, there's the evidence. There's the evidence. Of the, wait a minute. Did we say it was a nuclear? He was going to threat a nuclear? Yeah, the, the nuclear threat that he was going to. Well, there was something in there. It was bad. And apparently they, they also said that he has a uh, he has a carbon copy of the uh, the desk in the Oval Office. The Resolute Desk is what it's called. And uh, I'm not sure if he was really all that authentic with the recreation of it. I think he probably didn't include the stains left there by the Clintons. But anyway, apparently uh, <laughs> he, has a, he has an identical Resolute Desk, I guess, he keeps in his bedroom or something. And there was some confidential information in there. Okay. Chuck Grassley from Iowa, that's where I'm from, the top Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee, brought the political bias allegation to light in May. In one instance, Grassley noted that Thibault, Thibault uh, used Twitter to reflect a, a post from a Never Trump Lincoln project that read, Donald Trump is a psych- psychologically broken, embittered, and deeply unhappy man. Yeah, he's, he's a centrist. In another instance, Thibault allegedly uh, responded to a tweet to Catholic priest uh, 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 Frank uh, Pavone and Trump to focus on uh, the pedophiles after Pavone criticized the impeachment of Trump and praised the former president's pro-life stance. Thibault's legal statement noted that he is fully cooperating with the Hatch Act investigation and expects to be fully exonerated. I believe that the Trump, uh, they, they, were, they were fully cooperating as well, but that didn't stop him from kicking down the doors. Uh, Thibault noting that whistleblowers came verified and uh, verifiable derogatory information on Hunter Biden was falsely labeled as disinformation. He was in charge of that, according to the letter from uh, Chuck Grassley. And um, yeah, so that's, and he was also in charge of the 2020 election uh, investigation. Thibault and others uh, also subsequently attempted to improperly mark the matter in FBI systems so that it could not be opened in the future. That's Hunter Biden's laptop. His legal counsel is saying he was not involved in any decisions related to the laptop. That may be an issue in the investigation, and he did not seek to close the investigation. Sure, yeah, whatever. The whistleblower, uh, one of the whistleblowers, alleged that, according to Jordan, that Thibault pressured agents to categorize cases as domestic violent extremists. He was part of that, too, calling you and me domestic violent extremists and saying that we were the biggest threat to our security, and that was a lie. They moved on. Now they're just calling us fascists. In an, in an effort to bolster case numbers, which could feed a narrative perpetrated by, the, perpetrated, perpetrated by the Biden administration that domestic violent extremism is America's greatest threats. It's terrible. This is uh, something I saw online this morning put together. Uh, it has a little music behind it. Don't let it be a distraction. This is uh, Representative James Comer, who we featured yesterday, talking about the House of Cards in Washington, D.C. That is about to collapse on the FBI because whistleblowers... We do praise whistleblowers, especially on the House Oversight Committee. And I can tell you, we're meeting with dozens of whistleblowers from some of the top law enforcement agencies, not just the FBI, but also Border Patrol. But one thing that's apparent with these whistleblowers, they fear retaliation. And it's really sad when the whistleblowers from our law enforcement community fear being retaliated by this politicized Biden administration. So what we've done on the House Oversight Committee, along with the Judiciary Committee and Oversight and the uh, the Energy and Commerce Committee, we've also requested correspondence between Facebook and the FBI, as well as between Facebook and the Democrat National Committee, because we have pretty good information 
uh, that would lead me to believe that the not only did the FBI communicate with Zuckerberg, but also the Democrat National Committee followed up with Zuckerberg after uh, the FBI gave him that warning. So we believe this was a coordinated effort. Mikhail Gorbachev, I, this may have put him over the edge. He's like, why couldn't I have done this in Soviet Union to keep everyone quiet? Soviet Union would still be around by the, the Biden campaign to do everything in their ability to spook Facebook to uh, to censor conservatives, especially the Hunter Biden story, which we now know was one. I wonder if he ever tried one of those Mr. Clean, uh, Mr. Clean magic erasers on his forehead because they work on everything else. 100 percent true. Congressman, did I hear you correctly that there are dozens of whistleblowers? Uh, can you can you elaborate on that? Well, of course, it's Sean Hannity. I'm the FBI, because we know well, we know Senator Grassley and Johnson and of Congressman Jordan have said from the FBI specifically. Dozens of whistleblowers from Border Patrol, from FBI, from Homeland Security. Uh, we've got a problem with the law enforcement community yeah. in this Biden administration. I believe that... And the cabal between the uh, Democrat Party, the mainstream media, and big social media. Uh, a lot of people are going to be exp exposed for their Soviet-era collaboration with the government. Hopeful that uh, the Republicans will retake the majority and there will finally be oversight and this administration will, will finally be held accountable for the mistakes they're making at the border and the mistakes they're making with the FBI. You know, most FBI agents are good people. They have pride, as they should, in their, in their agency. Keep whistling. But the American people are losing confidence in the FBI quicker than the Democrats can print money in Washington right now. <laughs> and that's disturbing to the up... Uh, incredible FBI agents, and they're wanting to talk to, to members of Congress. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Cash Patel's a friend of the radio program he's been on, and uh, he was one of the only people whose name was not redacted in the affidavit to get the search warrant to raid Mar-a-Lago, kind of like the FBI getting that uh, that search warrant. Uh, four times actually went to a FISA court and uh, and uh, used the uh, uh, the dossier, which was paid by, paid for literally by the FBI, the Hillary Clinton campaign, and the Democrat Party, to obtain a search warrant of uh, Trump's campaign. One of the search warrants, or one of the <clears throat> FISA applications, the court laughed him out. They said, "Oh, please." I heard that last night. Uh, here's Cash Patel talking about uh, the FBI and Mar-a-Lago and not being redacted. Well, the current FBI director, Chris Wray, was the FBI director when we ran the Russiagate investigation, and he had the opportunity then to expose all the corruption at the FBI, and he no, failed, no. and he's been covering up since. Look, we said since the beginning, we got out 60% of the documents for the Russiagate investigation. 40% remained. President Trump declassified those specific documents, and this entire raid on his house, I believe, was to prevent the disclosure disclosure now that the government gangsters are back in charge of their corrupt activities from Russiagate on down because now that they have an open FBI counterintelligence investigation they will shield any re uh, redact any release of documents yep. because they will say we have an open investigation Congress has a lot of work to do and I'm glad whistleblowers are coming forward they need to be doing so uh, in droves now um, the FBI went at great lengths to uh, mark up this affidavit every page and every agent's name on it but they left Cash Patel's name on there on purpose because they're uh, complete D words here's uh, Cash Patel talking about that as a former national security prosecutor and Peter Strzok as a counterintelligence head agent knows that American citizens' names and search warrants are supposed to be redacted. This DOJ, with the same leadership that authorized the Russiagate, is now back in charge, had gone in to intentionally lift a redaction of just my name. I wonder what he was looking for. 
wonder what they were looking for. And then redact the next seven consecutive pages. It was totally for political purposes. They uh -huh. don't care about the threats to my life, the racist message, and the hatred I see every day now mm -hmm. because they are publicly advertising for me to fail, to go to jail, and to be harmed. And here's another thing. The FBI did this after a 10-month investigation into death threats from the January 6th subpoena committee on me, and on Friday, the same day they issued the affidavit, is the same day they ended the investigation saying, even though they had credible evidence, we could go no further. Isn't that interesting how that happens, how that FBI operates? Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. They've been doing this nonsense for seven years, and this instance is not any different. It's only bigger and more egregious and more unconstitutional and more criminal. Let's take a break. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Sleepy Joe. Joe Biden's been asleep for years. This has to be a wake-up call and shine a bright spotlight on anything like this behavior anywhere. It's the Rob Carson Show. So the FBI, they are, uh, they're distracting. They, they, they put up some uh, pictures, apparently, of the confidential documents at uh, Mar-a-Lago. I don't think they showed... Uh, uh, Melania's wardrobe that they rifled through and left a mess, adding another indignity to the raid of a former president, unprecedented in our history. Uh, hell is coming, and we're coming with it, regardless of what the FBI, who now we know is uh, rotten from the head up. Uh, they're going to try and do a lot of things, but uh, they've been caught. They know the writing is on the wall. I think it's spray-painted. I think maybe just like Antifa did to America's Cities a couple years ago. Let's go to Homer in Rising Sun, Maryland. Hello there, Homer. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's going on? Hey, Rob. What? Hey, listen. What? I don't forget things. When the Clintons were in office, they had a computer that was nicknamed Big Brother. Okay. And in that computer, they put raw... FBI files, 1,500 of them in there. Yeah. And they were all on Republicans. Oh, yeah. I guess uh, the Clintons wouldn't even consider blackmailing or, or ab abusing the Republicans <laughs> after the FBI gave them all this personal information. Yeah, I, the FBI, it's very clear uh, that the FBI, even since its inception, has had a gigantic political bent toward uh, those who are not in power. Uh, this started when it originally started with Woodrow Wilson. And, uh, and the last the 30 years, I think we can all uh, say, including with the uh, Clintons, the FBI has leaned way left. And has gone after uh, uh, has gone after the conservatives. The IRS has done the same thing with Lois Lerner's uh, with Lois Lerner's um, tenure there. So I don't think there's any doubt. And uh, as always, as my good friend Chris Plant says, 
uh, if liberals didn't have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. So you know what I'm saying, uh, Homer. Those things get brushed under the rug. Hillary Clinton's server, bleach bidding all of the hard drives, destroying uh, mobile phones and computers. That's, that's no big deal. All Hillary has to do, literally she could wave her hand and say, all of those emails, and this is what she did, all of those emails were about my daughter's wedding or yoga. To which I say, do you expect us to believe you do yoga? Sure. But, you know, the same thing Donald Trump. He could easily and most probably did say, uh, because he was the commander-in-chief, that these, uh, these documents are no longer classified. He has the right to do it. But uh, there's a lot of lefties in the National Archives, a lot of lefties in the FBI, and the FBI's been going after Donald Trump for seven years, and they thought this was the piece de resistance. If they could, they could bring a raid so big that Amer- the American people would look at the reputation of the FBI that most of us had maybe a couple months ago, but don't anymore, that they could just do a, a, a raid with all these, and just think, oh man, Trump must have done something really bad for the good and decent FBI to do something like that. And what we're discovering is that it was a banana republic operation with a blanket search warrant that is not allowed here because of the Fourth Amendment. And Donald Trump's going to sue him, and the FBI is going to be taken apart. Go ahead, Homer. Well, I tell you, when uh, Herbert, Herbert Hoover set up the FBI, the first thing he did was every upcoming politician he had, his boys go out and get the goods on him. Yeah. So he could uh, uh, wield some control. Yeah. That's, uh, that started from the beginning. Herbert I know. did all that stuff. I know. Yeah, and they also went after uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Remember that? Yes, I do. Well, yeah, they I went right after him. I'm an old dude, man. I've got a long <laughs> memory of what the FBI's been up to. Well, you're just the opposite of Joe Biden. You're an old dude, but you have a long memory. Oh, yeah, I don't forget or forgive this kind of garbage they pull on. Me too, bro. 100%. Homer, God bless you, bro. Have a good day. Thank you. Yeah, man. U.S. job uh, vacancies rose 11.2 million in July despite soaring interest rates and rocketing inflation as the number of openings double available workers. <clears throat> you notice that? Can't get employees anywhere. Place that I go get, get my hair done. Yeah, I get my hair done. I get a haircut. It's called. Uh, uh, Le Grandois Clips. Okay, it's Great Clips. But anyway, go to Great Clips. And they're open part-time because they can't get enough hairdressers in there. So uh, the increase in the uh, government reported Tuesday will be a disappointment to the Federal Reserve who have their heads in their rear ends. Officials are trying to cool hiring and the economy by raising short-term interest rates to try to, try to slow borrowing and spending, which leads to inflation. What is it? It's like a Rube Goldberg way of getting to uh, fixing the economy. This is what the Fed always does. This is what the government always does. They come up with this Rube Goldberg kind of stupid thing, and it never works. Never works. Higher pay has been passed on by many businesses to consumers in the form of higher prices, thereby intensifying inflation. Uh, remember that thing about the de facto $15 minimum wage? Yeah, that's what happened. And now people are coming back to work, and while Walmart and Target can afford 15 Small businesses, even your Dairy Queen, can't afford $15 to serve up uh, slushies and deep-fried cheese curds, which we have in the Midwest, and they're a gift from God. Last month, job openings rose in retail, warehousing, and shipping, professional service as well, state and local education, because so many teachers are saying, I don't want to teach this crap. 
number of people who quit their jobs declined slightly from 4.18 million to 4.2 uh, from 2. Uh, 4.25 because, uh, you know, unemployment benefits aren't uh, where they were when Joe Biden juiced them to keep people from not working and wreck the economy. Um, so we got that. And then uh, next, I want to talk a little bit about uh, millennials. Uh, millennials are kids born, uh, what, 80-something to 1996, and uh, they're, they're getting hit twice. And I'm going to explain this because I lived through both of them. I remember both instances where millennials, just getting out of college, uh, really got hosed. Just really, really, really got hosed by the government. And perhaps that's why this generation is uh, really struggling in a number of ways. I'll explain that. And then feminism out the window a new um, era for women being submissive. I know it sounds really awful. That's coming up. And Mega Hulk is next. Mega Hulk smash. Don't go anywhere. Carson show on a what it's it's a Wednesday already oh my gosh it's Wednesday and joining us on the phone you saw him a lot during the last uh, election campaign he is epic he is awesome he is mega Hulk and he joins us on the phone how you doing sir I'm doing just fine how you doing today you know I'm doing well I, I something I've been dying to ask you since the first time I saw you and I'm just telling you this because I, I'm a big, I was a big kind of weightlifter earlier. Used to bench press about 350, 375, not too bad. Uh, and and, and uh, uh, not, not too bad. I used to open, opening set 22 times, two plates, two, two, four, 235, 22 times. That, okay. was, that was the start. Respectable, you know, respectable. Not like you. Absolutely. Not like you. I got to ask you, how big are the guns? I need to know the, the biceps. Come on, give me an idea. Because I'm puny. I'm 17, 18. I'm, I'm puny compared to you. How big? I'm, I'm 24. I'm, I'm almost at 25. I'm trying to get there, brother. I'm trying to. The struggle is real. <laughs> All right, so the biggest, the biggest suit jacket I ever got into was a 50. How about you? Oh, goodness. I, I remember the last time I got a suit, I had to go to the store. They had to get the biggest suit on the rack, and they <laughs> tailored that sucker down as much as they could. You know, they did, <laughs> the, the, only thing they did. They did the same thing to Lizzo uh, at the MTV Awards. <laughs> anyway. Except for she went into an awning shop. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I believe it. I tell you that much. Goodness, it looks like you can go to Abercrombie and pitch at this you know, point. I don't think this is a good, I don't think it's a good idea for me to call you up and ask you the first thing to compare my dimensions to yours. That's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you. I want to know. I want to get to know you. Uh, how'd you get on sure. the scene? How, I mean, other than just, you know, you are, you are just imposing as hell. You are also, you know, uh, becoming more common, a, a black conservative. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me how you arrived on the scene and how, and how this, you know, how your life changed in the last couple of years. Oh, goodness gracious. It was one of those situations because I was a liberal, you know, I was liberally minded. I had yeah. liberal ideology. And then Trump came on the scene, right? And yeah. in, in around 2017, Towards the end of uh, 2017, beginning of 2018, I was like, okay, let me delve into this political scene. Let me see what's going on here. And when it comes to Trump, you know, I believe in MSNBC, I believe in CNN, I believe in all the, the, the news. 
And I'm saying, you know, okay, when it comes to this President Trump character, I'm going to go ahead and learn all I can so I can beat these Trump supporters down with facts. I can't stand Trump. I can't stand all these things that, they, that they, you know, like the news said, he's a right-wing extremist. Oh, yeah. He's literally Hitler. He's a racist, this, that, and the third. So as I started doing my research, I started looking at his policy. I started realizing he was actually good for America as opposed to what the media was saying. So I was like, okay, there's a different perspective here. Started delving into that, realized that I'm starting to red pill myself, and then it came onto the right side of history. And ever since then, I hit the ground running, and I'm not going back. Now, uh, this is interesting because the perception of uh, of Donald Trump among uh, not only communities of color but others, you looked at Donald Trump as the man. I mean, not the man, like the man, but I mean, like, you're the man, you're the man, you're the man, like, you're the yeah. man, like, like, there's a song yeah. by the killers. Uh, he's the man, he's the man. The guy yeah. is wealthy. He's masculine. He loves women. He is a cisgendered male since birth. He's a good father. Every building that he buys, he puts his name on it. What is not to like about that? See, and that's the thing. When it comes to uh, uh, Trump, well, I mean, especially before he ran for office, Every single person loved the man. The black community loved him. Everybody loved him. I mean, he was on WWE, you know, yes. and I was a big WWE fan. So when he came on WWE with the money, 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 he saw, oh, that was fantastic. And <laughs> who didn't love him? Who didn't love the man? But all of a sudden, when he comes down these escalators, at, you know, running for a Republican office, now all of a sudden, he's literally Hitler. So before when he was before he started running for office, everyone loved him. Everyone adored him. Rappers had songs about him. But all of a sudden, when he gets on the right side of history and announces he's a Republican, now all of a sudden here comes the iron. So it's just the media sin of spin when it comes to people that they they don't like. They put them in the crosshairs. They paint them as a terrible person, and of course, people fall for it. Now, was one of them. Now, I want to ask you this: as a, uh, a person of color, um, oh, can I just say you're a black guy? Okay, I'm a white guy. Yes, indeed, please. A, Thank you're you. a black exactly. guy. I'm a white guy. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. So, yes, but, please. but. Um, you know, when you look at the crisis in the African-American community in inner cities, um, and, and I've, I, dude, I have been talking about this for 30 years of my career. It has been an obsession with me to help kids out, particularly in inner cities where the murder rate is 13 times the national average, where the abortion oh, yeah. rate, the abortion rate is 40 to 60 percent. Blacks would not be a minority if they didn't abort so many babies, which, by the way, was the dream of the founder of Planned Parenthood. But, uh, yes. but you know, and, and I think you know as well as I do that the Democrat Party, they have always tried to keep black people on their plantation. I knew this yep. when Hillary Clinton said it years ago. I said, the plantation is the Democrat Party. Do yes, you, you think all of this is about Donald Trump being a threat to their power structure, isn't it? It's, it's ridiculous. They always try to make it seem like it's about Trump, but this is a referendum on the Democrat Party at, at large, right? You look at the Democrat Party, and yes, indeed, you are completely right. It is the Democrat plantation, right? And there's a lot of runaway slaves at this point in time because they see the Democrat plantation for what it is. It's a place where, uh, where there's no hope, there's no future, and we're supposed to be reliant on big government. We're supposed to be reliant on NASA so to speak. And when it comes to this type of situation, we're like, look, we want our freedom. So we're going to get away from this Democrat Party who wants us to kill our own kids. Like you said, when it comes to abortion, Margaret Sanger, I mean, she was a, a big uh, 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 proponent of eugenics, right? Yep. She said, we didn't want the word to get out that we want to exterminate the black population. 
wow. right? The, she said that the black community or the black people are like weeds that need to be exterminated. That's the founder of Planned Parenthood. This is what she's saying about the black community. Yeah. And yet and still, we're doing exactly that which Margaret Sanger wants by aborting our kids in record rates. It's absolutely unbelievable. Not to mention the fact that about 79% of these Planned Parenthoods are in the hood. Right? Yes, right yes. Hey, have, you noticed, have you ever noticed? No, no, no. no. I know, I've been saying this for years. Every time you see an MLK Boulevard, every time you see a Malcolm X Boulevard, would you want to live on that street? You never want to be caught dead or alive on the MLK book. A person who's still for people. You don't want to be on that boat. It's a shame. It's an insult to the man. And I'm going to tell you something else. When you say that uh, that uh, that kids of color cannot succeed in this country because of institutional racism, you are insulting those who became the greatest yes. figures in world history. Yes. Despite the yes. fact there was at the time institutional racism from groups like the Democrat Party and the FBI. <laughs> right? Tell the truth, shame the devil. That is so true. Whenever they try to talk about institutional racism or systemic racism, it is the biggest myth that it is something I often speak out against when it comes to this subject right. because there's so many myths uh, surrounding this idea of systemic racism. Oh, the man's holding me down. Oh, the man's holding me back. Oh, I can't achieve greatness of racism and all this other type of foolishness is absolute other lies because if that's the case in the systemic racism world quote unquote if, if it's systemic racism is supposed to benefit white people right which is the whole point of systemic racism how is the that asians got this cheat code and we're able to surpass whites when it comes to media income yeah. we're able to surpass whites when it comes to education and, uh, and as far as uh scholastic achievement and what about indians surpass whites what about uh, indian I mean, americans yeah, same thing. Exactly. Yeah, and you know what's really funny? It's really funny. Michelle Obama used to talk about inner city neighborhoods, and they called them food deserts. Food deserts. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, no, they're just crappy neighborhoods. The store, okay. doesn't want to, the store doesn't want to be robbed blind. But you've got Indian uh, Americans and Asian Americans frequently going into, you know, neighborhoods that are very troubled, you know, mm -hmm. and they open their stores. And, and what becomes the target? What becomes the target of hate? Those who are trying to succeed in those communities yep. and make great yep. things happen. It really is just sickening, isn't it? It absolutely is. It's really sad to see this happening, especially when it comes to the black community. My community, uh, so I look at the, the black community, especially when it comes to these inner cities. Oh, my goodness gracious. We are constantly shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. We're constantly wanting more opportunities. We're constantly wanting better opportunities. We're constantly wanting more businesses to come into the hood, so to speak. And then as soon as the business does come into the hood, we rob it, we shoot it, we gun down, there's gunplay outside in front of it, and now they want to leave. It's like, goodness gracious, this is what we're doing to our daggone selves. When are we going to wake up, smell the daggone coffee, smell the roses, and understand we are doing this to ourselves. It's not the white man. It's not systemic racism. It's not all these different things that they're trying to make it seem like. It's us. We are our own problem, and we have to fix ourselves and first admit that there is a problem within yeah. our own community before we can fix ourselves. And that's where black conservatives come in. We say, hey, yeah. look, these are issues that need to be tackled. These are issues that need to be uh, fixed. Here's the problem. And we're excoriated. We're told that we're coons, we're Uncle Tom's, a white man's slave, white man's dog, race traitor, self paving the whole bit just because we want to fix our community. Yeah. But these people want to live in this bubble, this, this type of cognitive dissonance, so that when it comes to us trying to promote a message of hope and trying to promote a message that's going to get us out of this this vicious cycle of violence and ridiculousness, we are looked upon, we are excoriated, we're told that we're worse than we're, we're worse than Hitler, as a matter of fact, yeah. now, yeah. At, at this point in time. Yeah. So it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. This, this cycle needs to be broken and it's yeah. i don't i don't really know what else to do other than to tell the truth
to break this cycle. Let me ask you this. Uh, you see this Mar-a-Lago raid on Donald Trump, which I, is, oh. un, is unprecedented. It is a jackbooted thuggery. It, is, it has never been done before. Uh, the FBI has been after Donald Trump for seven years. And i got to tell you, Magahulk, I, uh, I, I'm just thoroughly done. I'm tired of the witch hunting. I'm tired of this nonsense. Uh, he has been, this man has taken a lot of slings and arrows for us. And by the way, I'll yeah. just go ahead and say, what happened in Mar-a-Lago is the template for what the Democrat Party wants to do Americans to do Americans with hiring 87,000 IRS agents. <laughs> yes, sir. Right? Unbelievable. As if this is what the American people want. We want more people breathing down our necks. We want, and this is what we talk about when it comes to us. All right? We're always talking about big government. Right. The effects of big government. This is why us on the right, we want limited government. We don't want big government because this is what happens when you have big government. You have raids on, on, on citizens within the United States of America against their political opponents, which is tantamount to, if you really look at it, this is tantamount to fascism. Yes, sir. Right? This is tantamount. This is what they try to say that we're the fascists. We're yeah. Those MAGA right wing fascists, <laughs> semi fascists. <laughs> uh, hold on just a second. Just real, real quick. Uh, any Democrat in the audience who would like to walk up to MAGA Hulk and say you're a fascist? <laughs> I'm looking for volunteers. <laughs> Hello? Hello? Anybody? Any takers? Any takers? No, no, no takers. No takers. I wouldn't say anything to you, but yes, sir. That's what I'd say to you. <laughs> yes. See, it's actually funny because I remember, uh, especially during 2020, we were having all the Trump rallies and whatnot. Yeah. And Tifa and BLM would constantly come up to us and call us fascists, right? Oh, you bunch of fascists, you bunch of fascists. They would say the same thing about President Trump. They would say the same thing about any right winger who stood up for liberty and justice for all. But at the end of the day, it's like it's like that uh, one movie, The Princess Bride, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, where uh, that one guy, Nico Mantoya, he would say, you keep using this word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And it just goes to show how inept these people are, how uh, these people really don't understand what it is that they're saying. They're using these buzzwords. They're using all these different rhetoric that they've been told to say, they've been told to parrot when it comes to us on the right. But they don't understand what it is that they're talking about because if they did understand it, they would understand that it's their side who are the fascists who showcase fascism. Of course. dictatorial rule. All right, so one, one more question. We've got about 30, or 60 seconds. Uh, you live in Arizona. Carrie Lake, come on. Yes. Come on, Carrie Lake. Oh. She's going to win it. She's going to do it. You better believe it. She's going to do it. Goodness gracious. She has oh. so much steam underneath her and all of our support. It's absolutely beautiful. She's a wonderful champion. I wouldn't call her a fascist to her face either. <laughs> I would dare anyone to. Okay. Now, now, so, so you're working with TPUSA, uh, Turning yes, Point sir. USA. This is great. This is um, Charlie Kirk's organization, right? Yes, sir. You got I, it. I think it's so great. I, I just think you are, uh, first of all, you're an imposing figure. Second of all, you're a very uh, 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 influential person. And, and I just really am glad that you see uh, the abuses and usurpations uh, that the Democrats have done not only to communities mm. of color but to Americans in general. Um, it. It, it, it play, I know you're on uh, you, you're on uh, Real Maga Hulk on Getter, Real Maga Hulk on uh, True Social. Uh, where else can we find you, sir? Uh, you can also find me at uh, Stephen Davis seventeen seventy six on Instagram as well as YouTube, and you can find me at Stephen D. 1776 on Twitter as well. And that's with the PH, by the way. One more question. How much that's you been? Max, yeah. max bench. Come on, how much? What is your max bench? I stopped at 500. That's it. That's all I'm doing. You will not get me to do not one more pound over that. You're going to need some <laughs> glucosamine and chondroitin for your shoulders when you're 45. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> all right, buddy. Have a glorious day. Let's have you on again, and I'd love to get you my TV show on Newsmax, too.
Absolutely. That would be my pleasure. All right. Godspeed. God bless. Have a glorious weekend. You too. All right. That uh, mega Hulk, ladies and gentlemen, on the Rob Carson Show. Back in a second. Joe Biden has always been a punchline. Now he's just a joke. It's the Rob Carson Show. A uh, big thank you to uh, Mega Hulk. His name is Stephen Davis, by the way. I said, I said to him off air, I said, should I call you Mega Hulk or Stephen Davis? He goes, I either one. I don't care. He used to live in L.A. He moved to uh, Arizona. Um, what he said in that interview was was incredible, and um, I, I'm just so glad. Uh, that he is uh, who he is, and he has had this uh, this realization of what the Democrat Party has done to communities of color throughout its entire history, starting with slavery. Uh, Republicans were founded originally uh, as an anti-slavery party. That was revolutionary back in the 1850s. And uh, the Democrat Party, it's just, I, I don't know how, I don't know why, I know that the Republicans uh, had a lot of uh, members of uh, uh, black members in Congress uh, back in the 1800s. And, um, uh, you know, Jim Crow rolled around. The Democrats were charged of that. Great society destroyed the black family, blah, blah, blah. Planned Parenthood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, just for, and I mean this, for goodness sake, you hear that. You hear that expression. For goodness. For goodness sake. Oh, my goodness. For goodness sake. But for goodness sake, the Democrat Party has to be taken down and reinvented or left in the dustbin of history. And as with the FBI shouting, oh, yeah, they had a, they had a resolute desk in Mar-a-Lago, and it's filled with documents. And they hear, look at all these documents that are on the ground. And I mean, uh, it's, it's all a distraction. It's all nonsense. It's like, oh, have you seen any polls about the, poll, the polls tightening with regard to the November election of the last couple of days? Last week, even Fox News, it was, oh, yeah, it looks like they're going to hold on. They're going to hold on to Senate, and then they're gonna probably only going to get about eight House seats. And, and then uh, you realize all the ways that uh, Joe Biden is creating an SH show. And it would be illogical to think that the American people want some more of that. Solid majority of uh, Americans think we're in a recession, but the consensus conceals some deep divides in the economy. Most recent poll from The Economist and YouGov found 58% of Americans say we're in a recession. We are. I mean, a textbook definition, but the, the Biden administration, of course, changed the definition because, you know, they're Stalinists. Men are slightly more uh, likely than women to say we're in a recession. 59% to 57, 51% uh, majority of blacks say we're in a recession. Uh, I mean, what, 98% of black people voted for uh, Barack Obama twice? 27% saying we're not, and 22% saying they're not sure among Hispanics. 53% say they're in a recession. The train is coming, coming down the bend. No amount of shouting is going to stop it. No amount of shopping is, or I say shopping, no amount of shouting is going to stop it. Now, I'm going to get into uh, uh, millennials with regard to the uh, uh, job uh, and, and how their, their, uh, their generation has really been hit twice, and it was out of their control. And then I want to talk about this new movement in the country uh, affirming masculinity and femininity after decades of feminizing our culture. That's coming up. The phone number, if you want to chime in, 800-922-6680. This, my friends, is The Rob Carson Show. 
They called us deplorables. They shut down our country. They say our thoughts are disinformation. is our response, The Rob Carson Show. Last hour of The Rob Carson Show, uh, right ahead as the SS Titanic is taking on water, as the rats are scurrying from the ship, and there is no room on the door for Democrats unless they uh, come over and say, you know, we were wrong, and, uh, you know, we're sorry what we did and everything, but they won't do that. So go down with the ship, will ya? Uh, by the way, if you want to check out the podcast of the show, a lot of people, they have uh, podcasts. And, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, my, my son listens to these uh, uh, Gen Z millennial movie uh, podcasts, and they're pretty cool. Like one week it'll be about Sam Raimi and all this. That's what he listens to. My podcast is the show, but we tighten it up. It's two hours long. It's about an hour shorter than the show. And you can download it wherever you can subscribe and you can share it with others. There's a lot of momentum. And as we add affiliates to the lineup, and we are, uh, certainly KVI Seattle last week, uh, the first, uh, well, not the, first, the, uh, the latest, so we're on a KVI in Seattle, and they're doing a weekend show. They want to dip their toe into it. Then they'll see how it just destroys in the ratings. It, it's been really, really good in, uh, in all of our markets. And uh, so if you want to listen to the podcast, it's just called the Rob Carson Show Podcast. And uh, it's on all the digital platforms. If you're on the Apple podcast, just write a five-star review if you would, because all of my relatives have already chimed in. You know, so we need people who, you know. So anyway, <laughs> check it out there. Spotify, uh, all of these. And then if you just want a whole list, a compendium of all of them, uh, just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. Okay? Will you do that? Uh, uh, hat, uh, just want to, I want to acknowledge somebody. Um and, uh, you know, see, I, some people in broadcast, don't mention your competition. Don't say, because they will tune over there. You, you, you can't talk about B98.7 with the, the breakfast flakes in the morning, because they'll tune over there. Well, you know, a program directors who say that are morons. That's why I don't work for music radio anymore. Not saying all music radio uh, program directors are, are morons, but uh, some of them are. So, you know, when I say, uh, I don't know, Greg Gutfeld. I, I'm going to acknowledge Greg Gutfeld. Is, is he my competition? Not really. I mean, he's on weeknights. I'm on uh, my shows on the weekends right now and on Monday morning when Donald Trump listens to it or watches it on Newsmax. He's the king of late night. Late night. Greg Gutfeld. And he's, he's had a, a long road. He did that uh, red eye and all that. And, and I want to congratulate Greg Gutfeld because he's funny as hell. Uh, he has a great cast on there. And, uh, and I just enjoy the show. And he is beating late night. You know why? Because late night is an insult to those who came before. It is an insult to Johnny Carson. It is an insult to Steve Allen. For those of you who don't know, Jack Parr was the original like late night talk show host, and uh, and Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson, and yes, he took over. Yes, <clears throat> with Ed McMahon. And and Arsenio, I thought Arsenio did a hell of a good job too. By the way, I thought only Arsenio was awesome. Um, and then also, uh, who the hell? Uh, I thought Leno did a nice job. And, and to some degree, I think that uh, Kimmel's pretty funny. In fact, he's really talented. 
But uh, uh, Stephen Colbert's a tool. And so is uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel, you know, and, and they are uh, sucking wind as far as the ratings because, like Stephen Colbert, just tell some jokes and have a band on and have some actors on. That's the way it is. And you can have a politician on, but get something out of it that isn't just reinforcing your leftism. You know, talk about something else. Well, I'm, I'm really, I'm glad for Greg Gutfeld, uh, averaging 2.19 million viewers compared to the, the, the late show with Stephen Colbert, which is uh, 2.15 million. And then the other two, they just, they fight for the crumbs. So I want to congratulate him. Isn't it funny how conservative comedy tends to resonate? It's almost weird. Kind of weird. Yeah. So the, uh, the government is saying we're not in a recession. I don't know about you, but uh, I think we're in a recession. I'm very fortunate because if this would have happened, this economic malaise would have happened two years ago. I don't know what would have happened with my family. Because we, we saw the highs and the lows. I lost a job, lost a house. <laughs> moved around for radio, moved my entire family for a radio station. They decided that I was too expensive, so they fired me two years into a three-year deal with my family moved here. So I was out of radio, nearly lost my family. My wife was going to leave, and I said, screw it. What am I going to do? My wife said, sell bleeping cars. So I said, okay. And then I said, behind my back, her back, I'm going to win her back. I'm going to sell the most cars that they ever even dreamed of. And I did. And we bought a house. But, you know, things are tough. And, and I'm going to tell you, I, I do feel some um, sympathy toward the millennials. Now, the millennials are the uh, generation X is the last analog generation. I'll just say that. We're the ones who ushered in things like the Walkman, uh, things uh, like cable television, things like VCRs, uh, and then smart, and then and cell phones. We were the first generation to have those and also to not have those. <laughs> we, I mean, the last generation to not have them, first generation to have them. And we kind of, you know, we went to college, we got out of college, we went to work, we had children, we did all this, and we didn't really, nobody really paid attention to Gen X. But we did, we changed the world quietly. We changed music. And, and, and a whole lot more. And then millennials came along and they decided to focus on millennials. And millennials aren't necessarily the children of Generation X. Because, you know, I'm 56 and the, the oldest millennials are about 44. And I think it'd be kind of hard for me to have a child who's 44 years old unless I lived in Arkansas. It's a joke. It's just a joke. But millennials, um, they are the, they've gotten poor since the last recession while other age groups have become wealthier. The National Bureau of Economic Research reports that millennials' average wealth was lower than any generation. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, and I remember when this happened. I was in Washington, D.C. The 2007 Great Recession was when millennials were really starting to get out of college. And as soon as they get out, they have massive debt, and they had the recession of 2007, and wages plummeted. Like just a few years earlier, kids were getting out of college making sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, and at that time, hella money. But that happened, and then the millennials they started, you know, they picked themselves up, they dust themselves off, and then uh, they rolled around to uh, COVID and COVID restrictions and shutting down businesses. And I'm sure that hundreds of thousands of millennials lost their jobs and businesses. So they've kind of been—I mean, honestly—they've been slapped around. They really have. 
And um, I will also say this about millennials. Millennials have the unfortunate uh, designation of being the first generation to be the progeny of the class of 1968. They're the first generation that have gone through their entire childhood with leftist indoctrination in schools and leftist indoctrination in the media. That is intensified as millennials reach their earning years. So long came this kneeling during the national anthem. Long came this, uh, this uh, you know, all this nonsense. And then, and then the riots of uh, 2020, all that crap. And, uh, F, uh, you know, Antifa and Black Lives Matter. And, and then, of course, COVID shutdowns, which really screwed them. And so uh, I, I give I give millennials a, a break on that uh, on that front because it's, it's been a tough road to hoe for millennials. That said, there are no excuses for failure. If you have your wits about you, if you have the ability to create and invent, and if you have the ability and you have the drive within you to be the best that you can, there's no excuse. For your generation, that's like saying that uh, you know the society is institutionally racist, so uh, kids of color can't can't make it. I'm not making an excuse for millennials, but I understand it's a tough road to hoe. It really is, and I'm not uh, I'm not ready to give up on millennials. But there's something happening with the, the following generation that I find to be quite interesting, and those are Gen Z. Now, my son was born in 1999. My daughter was born in 2005. My son says he's a millennial. Now, now maybe a cusp. But he was, you know, he was, millennials, uh, the, I guess the, the cutoff was 1996. But there is a movement in the country with regard to uh, this rejection of all this gender nonsense. And, and you think that everybody's down with it, and you think that everybody is cool with men being feminized, and you think it's cool that, uh, you know, uh, feminism uh, has uh, created this, this uh, culture that uh, allows men to become so feminized that they identify as women and compete with women. And, and men have become so uh, feminized that they're, you know, gender questioning and all of these other things. And, uh, and, and this, isn't, uh, this isn't flying. I think, be, I think we're going to be getting to see a change with Gen Z. And, and I saw this headline, and I, and I think it's interesting. And the reason why I bring this up, I've got a 17-year-old daughter. And my daughter has just celebrated her one-year anniversary with her boyfriend. And he's 17 as well. And he's a Christian. And he doesn't drink. And he volunteers at church. And he goes to church on Sunday. And he takes my daughter to church with him. And he goes to church during the week. And I'm not a good churchgoer. I have strong beliefs. Yes, yes, yes. I've tried to share them with my children. But I'm just not a big churchgoer. I was raised Catholic. I take the kids on the holidays. And I go by myself sometimes, you know. But I'm not a big uh, church dude. Nothing to do. Go to church. And maybe I will go back to the church. I, and I, I do. I'll go back to the Catholic church because I, like I like the Catholic church. But I'm a, I'm a Christian. And, and I, every day I sign the cross, I get up and I go, thank God she's still with him. And they're both still the same gender. And my daughter embraces her femininity. She likes to dress. She likes her nails to be long. She likes her hair to be this. And she loves being the woman in the relationship with him and he loves being the man 
Now, they have a give and take. He doesn't boss her around, but he does open the door for her. He opens the door for her, the car and the house. Now, you'd think if, if you know, she is Gen Z, the second generation to go through all this indoctrination at school, that she would be, you know, wearing, a, you know, a ear gauges and smelling like patchouli and body odor and pot. But she's not. She's not. And the tender culture in all this is showing Gen Z that the millennials really got hosed and really did some things they don't want to be associated with. I'm going to share some, uh, some interesting things, including a movement online for women to uh, assert their submissiveness. I know that sounds weird. But I'm going to explain that. And then also we got a guy named Andrew Tate who is very pro-man, very masculine, very pro-traditional uh, roles. And uh, he's being called a hater and a misogynist, and he's being banned on social media. Why? Is he a Nazi? No. Are, uh, are terrorists in Iran being banned from social media? No. Why is he a threat? I'll get to this and get your thoughts as well. 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. to a record-setting president. Joe Biden setting record low approval ratings. What the Democrats have put our nation through, it is a sad day. It's the Rob Carson Show. Come on! New bumper music. I choose all the bumper music. That's pretty good. So um, my daughter's 17 years old. She's been dating a uh, young man who is a uh, Christian, keeps his hair, hair short, doesn't do weed, doesn't smoke, uh, doesn't smoke pot, doesn't drink, doesn't curse. Uh, they enjoy each other. They just enjoy their company. Uh, and about that, too. No, 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 not doing that either. And um, we've had conversations about this. And, and I think the glorious thing is um, that my daughter uh, is... Um, like, I, I try to get her to get a job. Get a job. You need a job. She's done a few things, but she hadn't really had a full-time job or anything, you know, during the summer. And she didn't, she's not particularly concerned about career. She will do something. She's an artist. She's brilliant. But she's not um, radical feminist, uh, anything like that. She likes being a young woman, and she likes her boyfriend, who is a kind and good and masculine young man. Here's a headline from the weekly, uh, the US, uh, UK Daily Mail, Louis, Louise Perry. Why Tinder is toxic for young women. Ten years after it's launched, the sweep uh, right dating app's promise of sexual liberation is working for a minority of lascivious men. But the downsides are legion. Sexual revolution was supposed to set us free. No more shame, no more coercion, no more female subservience. We were told that a new culture of no string sex attached would give women the opportunity to revel in their sexual autonomy. Make no mistake, Tinder has led to a radical and unwelcome change in our sexual culture, a change that I believe is toxic for women, for younger women in particular. Today's sexual culture is destructive, divorcing love and commitment from sex and favoring one-night stands. Dating apps such as Tinder turn people into products in a sexual marketplace that encourages users to browse the available merchandise, select their preferred options from the comfort of their homes with very little effort and no intimacy whatsoever. One male user, listen, girls, 
describe the voracious sexual appetite that the apps encourage. Quote, you're always prowling. In a bar, you might have two or three girls to choose from. But online, you could swipe a couple hundred a day and set up two or three tender dates a week. And chances are, sleep with all of them. You could rack up 100 girls you slept with in a year. This is a, a video that's going viral on modern feminism. This is a young woman, she's around 19 years old, talking about how things are changing. Feminism is a scam. A few years ago, I was an angry, blue-haired feminist. I once believed that male privilege was real and that I was a victim of the wage gap. Now that I understand the true motives of... No, it's not a wage gap. Teachers make less money and women migrate towards teaching and nursing and things like that. Not working high-rise buildings and uh, welding and, and stuff like that. Feminism. I know that this could not be further from the truth and that modern-day feminism is a war on true masculinity. Before women had the right to vote, most were state home wives, which meant they weren't working jobs and couldn't be taxed. Yeah, but they're doing the most important job ever. Our overlords didn't like that. Rockefeller started funding feminist campaigns in media, and as a consequence of the movement, women started entering the workforce and leaving the home. Children and a lot of companies now are paying for women's abortions, paying for their travel because they don't want them taking time off to raise a child. Children would then be separated from their parents and sent to Rockefeller-funded schools to be indoctrinated by the state. All of this ultimately disrupting the family unit at its core. Feminism mm. is defined... Yeah, we kind of have seen that destruction of the family thing. ...the belief in social, economic, and political equality of the sexes. But in the West, I must ask, what rights do men have that women don't? Modern feminists are convincing women that hookup culture, using hormonal birth control, and not shaving is liberation. That toxic... Oh, those hairy armpits. That's so, I was going to say hot, but I want to throw up. Masculinity is prevalent and the patriarchy must be dismantled. Through movies and media, we're taught that working for the man, climbing the corporate ladder and paying tax is more empowering and valuable than raising the next generation. Women have lost touch with our natural loving instincts and birth rates are plummeting. Men and women are not the same. And by protesting for equality of... That's not what our new Supreme Court justice says. ...outcome rather than opportunity, feminists are demonizing and emasculating men. And there's this uh, thing going on about female submissiveness. Listen to this. What does a submissive woman do for her man? Everything. <laughs> what does that mean? You know, like packing his bag, unpacking his bag, um, just making sure all the things that he wants. And like, I, I pretty much read his mind. So it's like, if I know you. I said this video to my wife yesterday. She didn't respond. And I study you. Like, I know how you are in the morning. I know how you are about midday. I know when you're in this mood, what you need. Like, before you can ever ask me for something, I'm already on it. I mean, he's spoiled. And you know, when I talk to my girlfriends about it, they're always like, oh, how are you guys doing? And I'm just like, girl, he's rotten. I'm like, he's spoiled rotten. Like, he's rotten. But I love that. Like, I want him to be that. I think my biggest flex is how I treat my man. Okay. Now, uh, as far as female submission is concerned, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not down with calling it submission. But what I'm taking from this is that there is nothing wrong with the traditional male and female roles, or, or at least there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with mom wanting to just raise kids, not just, mom raising kids. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. She also worked. She was a beautician. She ran apartments. But she also was the most powerful and influential person I ever met in my life. And that includes Donald Trump. Nothing against Donald Trump. He's a glorious man. But in my life, my mom was.
A little bit more on this, and then EVs are a joke in California, and Biden's Border Patrol chief says that Biden is wrecking the border, and he's tired of it. All right, so coming up, uh, California. <laughs> California is mandating electric cars. And uh, now they're, they're getting ready to go through rolling blackouts because, you know, they got rid of all the uh, uh, fossil fuel. And they they literally trying to keep desperately this, uh, this nuclear power plant still online, the only one in California. Because the coming warm weather, which happens in summer, by the way, and uh, so they're they're asking people not to plug in their electric cars during peak hours, <laughs> which means that if you have to go to the hospital or you have to get out of town if there's a national emergency uh, with an electric car, you're screwed. You're completely screwed unless you have a unless you have a, a, a generator that runs on fossil fuel in your house or beside your house. So anyway, that's uh, that's coming. Also, a Biden's border patrol chief uh, says that there are no consequences for entering the border illegally. He's not happy about it. He said it under oath. We'll get to that. Um, I've been talking about uh, women, uh, young women, and uh, young men. Men have been, uh, and I've been talking about the uh, feminization of the culture. I used to call it the Oprahization of the culture. And um, I, uh, I um, you know, I do some things that are traditionally not so male. Uh, I like to cook. I do all the cooking in the house. I enjoy it. It's just something I do. Uh, I also like to do home improvement. I've got every tool known to mankind. Uh, I do that. But, you know, I, I like to make sure when my wife comes home, I have dinner ready for her. I like to make sure that she has a coffee in the morning. I make her lunch every day. You know why? You know, you heard that uh, just a minute ago, the, the woman who's uh, the, the submissive, whatever. No, it's about making the person who's going to spend your freaking life with you happy. And I've been on the other side of that where I've, I've not made her happy. And if she's willing to give you a contract that says, I'm going to stay with your sorry ass for your life, I'd take her up on it. I'm, I'm, I mean that. Because honestly, when it's all said and done, the only thing that matters when you leave this planet is the people you love and the people who love you. That's it. Excuse me. That's all that matters. Not your new car, not your jet, not your this, not your that. All that matters is that person who loves you or those people that love you. It's wonderful. It's glorious. It's, it's, it is riches beyond your wildest dream that you cannot buy with, you know, being a YouTuber, making millions of dollars, shaking your butt on camera. Not going to make you any happier. That's why so many of them are unhappy and needy and awful. So, so many women in their 50s, when they're, when they're fading in Hollywood, get an um, OnlyFans page. <laughs> That's going to make you happy. There's this guy named Andrew Tate, and uh, he has been banned from everything, social media, whatever. He's got a huge following. He's a very wealthy man. And I've been you know, hearing about him. He was banned from everything. He even had his uh, bank account shut down and everything. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And a lot of young men like him. Now, some of the things he says, I've, I've heard it very misogynistic. I don't agree with all of them, but some of his, his uh, I guess, words of inspiration are directed at young men because so many young men have been told they're crap and that their, their masculinity is toxic and all this garbage. And, and here is what he had to say uh, about the state of manhood. And this is why so many young men, 
this guy resonates with them. I think the reason a lot of men are so depressed is because they feel invisible. They feel like the life is life is too hard. Women expect me to be strong and smart and funny and interesting with a nice apartment and a fast car and tall and well-connected and funny. And, and it's just too much for them to handle. And the social pressure on men is absolutely immense. What happens if you got a 2005 Camry? You, you see what I'm doing here? It's not just about, you know, obviously body image for women. What about all this other stuff? And I was for men championing their issues. And at the same time, all these social media platforms pretend to care. As soon as somebody they resonate with stands up and champions their issues, they mass blanket ban me, which shows they have absolutely no care for the young men of the world today. They don't want to read. They don't want to see transgender people wear makeup. They don't want to see that. They, they want to see a man. Doesn't mean they hate them. It's just they're not into that. And who has a bunch of money and a nice life and some fast cars and is strong and is confident. They want an action hero. And that's something that large portions of the world still want to be. Yeah. A lot of young men want to be that way. Here's a little bit more from Andrew Tate. They're not really interested in men's issues. And there's a lot of young men growing up today that feel very disaffected. They feel invisible. The yeah. uh, agendas that are being forced down their throats are not agendas they align with or they feel affinity to or agendas they want. Or like traditional female gender roles, radical leftists and feminists shame them for choosing that way of life. The same goes with men who want to assert their masculinity, be strong, be the breadwinner, be, be uh, physically fit, mentally fit, be a leader, all of these things. The feminization of the culture doesn't allow it. And I basically just say to men, look, it's a very hard life. Yes. You're going to need to get up, work hard. Yes. Go to the gym. Strong body is a strong mind. Yep. You're going to have to reject listening blindly to everything you're told. Reject yep. the slave mind. Think for yourself. Get a strong network of brothers. Work aside them. Don't tolerate low-quality people. In your this is pretty interesting right here. Your life, which means don't tolerate men who just smoke drugs and play video games or men who are disloyal or dishonest. By extension, don't tolerate women or girlfriends who are disloyal or dishonest. And try and build and create a reality full of high-quality people in which you can resist the programming that the Matrix tries to infl uh, influence you with and grow up truly happy. And... My, uh, somebody close to me said when I talked about Andrew Tate yesterday that uh, I said, well, I don't agree with everything he says. And this person said, well, you know, uh, 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 Hitler, he said a lot of things that some people were taking out of context and say is all right. And I said, you know what? The conversation's over. When you go to Hitler, honestly, you're done. The conversation is over. That's, that, is a, that is a mentally weak argument. It's like, it's like moral relativity. Well, you know, Hitler said some good things, but you know, well, no, no, no. Uh, th this guy, this uh, this Andrew Tate, he he's never said, "Hey, let's uh, let's have a final solution where we kill all the Jews." Shush, nonsense, nonsense. Um, my my jury is still out on Andrew Tate. I have a feeling whenever somebody is banned from social media. While terrorists are still able to stay on social media, why people like uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are still on social media, uh, while scumbags are still on social media, where uh, different groups are still on social media, Black Lives Matter, it's a terrorist organization, it's corrupt as hell. Then, you know, when somebody gets banned or shut down, that's when I go into defense mode and go, huh, maybe what he's saying is right. And it's empowering young men. Nothing wrong with being... A feminine woman and a masculine man. Nothing wrong with being a feminine man and a masculine woman. 
But uh, this this whole intolerance with regard to traditional <laughs> values or gender roles is is really honestly uh, stop it, stop the nonsense. All you're doing is creating unhappiness. Tinder didn't make women happier; it made them uh, it made them targets of men who think that if they sweep right, they can have sex with a whole lot of them. And I guess some women find that desirable. They want to be that desirable to men. Well, I got to tell you, uh, most women, you know, of a certain age can walk into any bar and get a piece of action. <laughs> you know, a little, little harder slog for guys a lot of times. But anyway, just some thoughts. Just some thoughts. California is going to suffer an energy shortage uh, and the flex alerts through Labor Day due to high temperatures because, you know, this happens in the summer. Residents will be asked to conserve electricity during afternoons and evenings, which means refraining from charging your electric car. Now, if the, uh, if the electric grid is shut down, you can still fill your gas car with gas and you can still drive. But there you go. That's what they're saying. Hold off on charging your electric vehicles, which means if there's a big old earthquake, if the San Andreas finally goes and your car is not uh, charged, you're scrod. And, and then there's this, replacing uh, the battery on your car. This is uh, the story of a, a guy who, um, who got one of those nifty, uh, what the hell was it, um, uh, Chevy Volts. And uh, this is what happens when the dealership told him he needed a new battery. Now, that estimate from Roger Dean went out on social media, and today they confirmed that it was true, but explained because that model was 12 years old and the warranty was out of date, that's the reason for the $26,000 quote to replace the battery. $26,000 to replace the battery, all told with tax and labor, $29,842 for the battery. I've definitely seen expensive electric vehicle fixes of the same caliber. Nearly $30,000 for battery replacement when you add labor. Today, the Roger Dean Chevrolet dealership confirmed that this cost estimate to replace a Chevy Volt battery is real. It's not something... Or you could just buy a new gas Camry. ...electric car owners plan on down the road. $30,000 is a lot to fix anything on a car, especially... You can replace the engine for six. Uh, you know, if you get one rebuilt, probably even less when the car itself could be worth like less than that. The dealership declined an interview, but on Facebook explained that the Volt, a discontinued hybrid, was out of warranty. In other words, your Volt is a piece of crap. Finding replacement parts difficult and expensive. As far as like electric cars go, they're getting made in better ways now. At a Fort Myers charging station, we met up with Ian, who's leasing the Bolt, a fully electric model. Literally, getting a new Bolt, like the 2023 Bolt, is... And because you got a Bolt, you're adult. And that's a full electric car, is like, I think, 26,000 new or something. Yeah, you just buy a new, uh, new car. Now, uh, by the way, uh, it generally, if you're going to replace the battery, uh, the cost of uh, replacing an EV battery can still exceed $20,000 for some models when labor and costs are calculated. Thought you should know. Uh, by the way, the White House appears to have convinced Congress to spend uh, more money on electric vehicles. We know this. But uh, it looks like American ain't buying it. Many Americans still see electric vehicles inefficient, awkward to charge, expensive, largely owned by coastal elites. And they would be right. They would be right. The belief that electric cars, like those made by Tesla, are best for elites in big cities is driven in part by the lack of chargers in many places, including West Virginia, and the fact that they cost $67,000 on average. 
Here's what I predict, and I, I'm not – listen, I, I don't want to come down on people who are driving EVs. I get it. Okay, you've got an EV. Cool. Maybe you got suckered into it. I don't know. Maybe you just drive in a Starbucks. Maybe you're – you know, like I like to say, uh, EV owners are largely posers. Uh, a lot of them are. Not all of you. Not all of you. But if you buy an F-150 Lightning and you expect to do anything with it, like haul stuff, um, you're a fool. It's not going to happen. Uh, if you drive around and you, uh, you know, you virtue signal driving your electric car, and some of them are pretty sharp looking, I'll give you that. I mean, the SUV from Tesla with the gold wing doors, pretty cool looking if you're just driving around. If you're just driving around showing off your car. But otherwise, as far as being a workhorse for you, no. Car companies should have gone with hybrids. That would have been the smart thing to do. I don't think anybody's afraid to have a hybrid. Hybrids can be very glorious. Hybrids uh, require a lot less uh, rare earth minerals and pollution. Uh, doesn't have to all come from China. And you've got a gas engine, too. You could do a plug-in hybrid, too. On paper, you know, like a new uh, uh, hybrid uh, plug-in, um, some of these models can get uh, a Prius, can get 160 miles per gallon. Did you know that? 160 miles a gallon? Because you, you can drive it 40 miles, then the gas engine kicks on. And if you're a commuter car, you don't need to fill your car. Because if you're only driving 20 miles to work, plugging your car in, then you're just going to use the uh, electric motor. But if you're on a long trip, you're going to get 600, 700 miles out of that tank. Would have made sense. And that's why I predict, and you can write it down, I do believe in the next, within the next five years, your EV will be worthless. And most people who have one, who down the road suddenly get a bill for $20,000 to replace the battery, will opt to trade the car, and they'll get nothing for it as they trade their car in. Just my thoughts. As, worth, as worthless as cash for clunkers. But enjoy them if you got them. Just be ready for the uh, day of reckoning. Uh, one more break coming up here. I want to definitely share some audio from Biden's Border Patrol chief under oath about what Joe Biden and his administration have done to illegal immigration in the country. We'll do that next on The Rob Carson Show. In the 60s, we had LBJ. Now we have FJB. It's The Rob Carson Show. It is Rob Carson's show. So Biden's Border Patrol chief, this is according to the uh, UK Daily Mail, uh, warns illegal immigration is increasing because there are no consequences and the surge will only get worse. Now, he had to appear. Uh, he appeared for a deposition jo July 28th of this year as part of a discovery in Florida. AG Ashley Moody's uh, lawsuit against the DHS and border agencies that fall under its purview. So he's under oath, so he has the truth. He, he tells the truth. He's not having to repeat any uh, agency uh, talking points, which he's probably forced to do. And I want you to listen to this man, uh, because uh, his name is Raul Artiz, and here he is telling the truth about what Joe Biden has done to the border. I'm going to do my very best to not interrupt. What capacity do you serve the Border Patrol now? I'm the chief of the United States Border Patrol. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Objection. Yes. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that unprecedented numbers of aliens are illegally entering the United States right now? Objection. Yes. Are the individuals that are uh, turning themselves in, um, are they turning themselves in because they believe they're going to be paroled? Objection. I would imagine that they're turning themselves in because they think they're going to be released, yes. Would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the aliens who cite favorable in immigration policy as a reason to come to the United States 
are perceiving what actually is happening in the United States? Objection. Yes. Well, when President Biden was elected, did the number of aliens trying to legally enter the United States increase or decrease? Objection. Increase. From your 31 years of experience. Every objection from the government lawyer is uh, the truth. Experience. Has the Border Patrol in a year ever had the number of encounters that it's going to have in 2022? Objection. No. Is the crisis that is currently ongoing at the southern border uh, making the border less safe for Americans and aliens alike? Objection. Yes. Wow. Since President Biden was elected, does this document indicate that aliens illegally entering the United States perceive that they will be able to enter and remain in the United States? Objection. Yes. Wow. Why is it important to detain and remove demographics that are amenable to the Border Patrol? One, you want to make sure you have consequences. Yes. Okay. And if you don't have consequences, what is likely going to happen? Objection. In my experiences, we have, in my experience, we have seen increases uh, when there are no consequences. Okay. So if migrant populations believe that they're going, there are not going to be consequences, they will, more of them will come to the border. Is that what you're saying? Objection. There's an assumption that if migrant populations are told that uh, there's a potential that they may be released, that yes, you can see increases. If you're not detaining and removing demographics that are amenable, and the, the flow will compound, so it will increase at an exponential rate. Is that what, what is being suggested here? Objection. Well, I do think it will increase, yeah. Hell is coming, and we're coming with it. And it's going to arrive on November the 8th. Let's take a break, come back, and wrap things up. You are listening to The Rob Carson Show. music. I'm sorry. The, the, the music that you heard on, on the show, that's generally what I have on the uh, the Spotify account um, <laughs> because I like uh, I like new music. I like stuff that's, uh, uh, you know, fresh, uh, masculine at times. You know, not necessarily all masculine, but, you know, I just like, I like new music. Kind of crazy. Uh, that's going to do it for the show today. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, and if you get a chance to check out the podcast, I would really appreciate it. It's called the Rob Carson Show Podcast. Uh, and share it with others. Um, we're growing nationally. And, and if you enjoy the show, and I, and I think a lot of you are, uh, please share it with others. Uh, you guys in Baltimore, I got a new billboard. We got a new billboard in Baltimore. If you see it, take a snapshot and send it to me. Uh, here's the official email until we change it. rcarson at newsmax.com. Which sounds like something, you know, inner office email. We should come up with a little sexier version of it. Maybe like sexy Carson at Newsmax. Well, no, actually, no, I wouldn't do it. rcarson at Newsmax. Guys, God bless you. Thanks for listening. Check out the podcast. God bless the unborn, our military, and, uh, and of course, you. And until tomorrow, which is Thursday, do not catch the stupid. See you then.